0: and price for Friday, July 28th, 2023, coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the Iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. If you're visiting Vancouver, absolutely get yourself here at the Wall Center downtown, and if you want something out by the airport, might we suggest the Weston Wall Center YVR for some uh, rest, relaxation, and those plush, plush heavenly beds. Matt Scarce alongside Jeff Patterson sitting in for Blake Price one more day. Grace Sass hitting switches conducting things and this show a presentation of the applewood auto group we're at nissan we're at applewood nissan surrey applewood nissan richmond applewood nissan langley we can get you into the ideal family family vehicle the 2023 cash guy from 76 dollars weekly you can get into the 23 rogue from 99 dollars Weekly or the 23 Murano from 135 weekly because Jeff Patterson, it's, as you know. Oh,
1: it is all good
0: at Apple. <laughs> Thank you for participating in that this week, my friend. Today's Bodog poll question. Will the Canucks contend, again, under current ownership? Yes or no? You can vote at some Price on Twitter. Bodog your Sores, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Canada, Australia, early Monday morning. In the final game of the group stage at the FIFA Women's World Cup down under, as we have talked about, the Canadians are going to be up against it here. A desperate Matilda side playing in front of 75,000 of their own fans at Melbourne's rectangular stadium. Australia is a favorite here at plus 115, Canada plus 225. A draw also pays 225 on your Bodog line of the day, Canada advances with a win or a draw. There is a scenario where they could advance with a loss, but Australia needs a win, so you know they'll be pressing. And, you know, much as I dislike it from an aesthetic point of view, if Bev Priestman and the Canadians park the bus here and look for a nil-nil game, I can understand why. Uh, Poll question today, wrapping up our week where we have Themed around the Canucks and contention, what's hold them back? What's held them back to date? What they need to do? Look, the Aquilini's were newer owners, younger owners, um, coming off the resolution of the lawsuit. with Tom Glardy and Ryan Beatty, who thought they had a deal to partner on the club, coming off the era where they had partnered with John McCall on the team. And they hired a guy from out of left field and Mike Gillis, and they let him do his thing. And the Canucks won two straight President's Trophies and advanced to Game 7 of a Stanley Cup final. In the decades since, the imperative has seemed to be making the playoffs. Gosh, Jeff, I, I was thinking of this this week. It kind of reminds me. You and I grew up in an era when the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues were in the playoffs each and every year. And the questions about those franchises were, were they just happy to be there, just make the playoff revenue, have a successful season year after year because they won enough games that people came to the arena and bought their tickets and supported the club, wasn't the most aspirational, and yet year after year they were at least able to keep their heads above water in the standings and at the box office it kind of feels like that for me with the Canucks, although minus the important part, and that's <laughs> getting to yes. getting to the playoffs. Look, I think they need to just examine the mission statement here organizationally and, and put things in place that build a contender, not simply a playoff team. They've done it once before, and I do hold out hope they can do it again, but ownership is going to have to take, I think, a good look in the mirror, understand its culpability over the last decade and what it can do to improve this franchise's lot in the league going forward.
1: Yeah, and I go back to the day Jim Rutherford was brought on board and he said one of his primary tasks was to manage up. And this management group convinced ownership to write the check to buy out OEL. Uh, And they have spent on hockey
0: ops to their infinite credit. If we want to give the Aquilinis their credit and do, we absolutely deserve to do that on that file, they have paid and paid and paid to the salary cap every year to former coaches, and they're paying three of them right now. So yes, they have absolutely done their point their part in terms of capitalizing this hockey club.
1: Right. So I, it's still too soon in the new regime's uh, management term to know fully, you know, where they're going to steer this ship. There are nice pieces in place. We know that the issue has been the surrounding players, overpaid, bloated contracts for lower in the lineup guys. I like the fact that they got two free agents on one year tickets this summer. Like, you know, these are little steps in the right direction. I want to believe that, yeah, I mean, look, I want to cover hockey. I want this city to have a team that it can get behind and be proud of. And ultimately, Get on one of those long runs because twenty eleven. When I look back at my broadcasting time, I mean that's right up there along with you know being in the host city of an Olympic Games. Yes. You know those are career highlights for me, and I want that again. Well, for you, Jeff, for the entire city, those were that's
0: two of the best exactly. months to be a Vancouverite, to be a British Columbian, to be a Canucks fan. It was so. I, I
1: hold out the hope that this and mediocrity hasn't even been an adequate term uh, for the last decade, but I, I want to believe that spinning the wheels. Eventually, they're going to get some traction here. So I want to see... I mean, look, there was some success under Rick Mm Tockett. It was 36 games. They were essentially meaningless. Context matters. But there were some signs of structure and better systems play and special teams and all things. So I, I think there are some encouraging signs to build on here. But ultimately... You know, it's summertime and everybody's optimistic about what they've got and the rubber will hit the road starting on October 11th.
0: Let me ask you this because uh, you and I and Blake had a pretty good debate about this over those 36 games with Rick Talkett. They were meaningless in the standings because we understood the Vancouver Canucks. Well, first of all, let me say this. You talk about spinning their wheels. There is a method to contention of just being bad enough long enough. The Buffalo Sabres may well be that team this year and going forward, Jeff. We talked earlier in the week about the Baltimore Orioles being the best team in the American League. Why? They have been so pitiful that they have been able to amass this cache of great young talent that is finally bubbling up to the majors and making an impact. So is that a possibility for the Vancouver Canucks? Yes. I I can hear a lot of Canucks screaming in my ear going, well, then why have they... (laughs) won all these games in the second half, not managed to maximize the draft pick. And that is very fair criticism if that was the route you were going to choose. Of course, this team has not chosen that route. We know they're several years away from contention. We know they're several years away from cup contention. I think that is clear, even to the most ardent Canucks supporter. But I think real progress was made under Tockett. And I think part of it is what Kevin Woodley told us yesterday, is they're no longer going to play a way that leaves the goaltender out to dry and forces the goaltender to be spectacular for the club to be competitive. I don't necessarily think they'll be as aesthetically pleasing as they have been in the past, playing up and down hockey and let's trade goals and things of that nature that we saw under Boudreaux. But I do believe what Cockett has brought to the club is meaningful is lasting and should improve competitiveness going forward.
1: Yeah, and I think if you want to travel down that path, then you have to be encouraged by the fact that Elias Pettersson was still able to get his points while tightening up the defensive side of his game, taking on those primary penalty-killing roles, scoring shorthanded goals as a penalty killer under Rick Tockett, and those were things that weren't happening for him under the previous coaches uh, that he played for. So, you know, there's proof there that It's not about going into, you know, full-on lockdown mode and trying to win games two to one. It is cutting down on the great A's that you're giving up, and Lord knows they've given up way too many for far too long now, and they did a better job of that. So, you know, a healthy Thatcher Demko, giving them sort of that stout last line of defense, if he holds up his end of the bargain, I think it changes the conversation for the Caddox as far as really making a legitimate push for the playoffs next year. And... I think on this show, I like, you know, if you look at it in simple math, what they finished with eighty three points. If they needed ninety five, you know, that's twelve points. Can I make an argument that they could have found six more victories along the way with a healthy Thatcher Demko and Rick Tockett for a full season? Of course, I can. Yep. So. Of course,
0: other teams below the bar can do that, too. Totally. And that's <laughs> yeah. it.
1: No, I mean, that's that's an important point. And so is when we always talk about this sort of nebulous concept of, you know, contender. When are they going to be a contender? You know, you do everything in your power to build the best team that you can, and then you put it up against other teams that are doing the same exercise right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in two to three years, let's say that they grow properly as a group, But so are the New Jersey Devils. Mm -hmm. And, you know, will the Canucks ever be... Will they ever be ahead of Connor McDavid's Edmonton Oilers in McDavid's prime?
0: Keeping ahead of the or keeping even up with the Joneses,
1: is very difficult in this league now. In Ottawa, they basically finished neck and neck with Ottawa last year. I think there are a lot of people in hockey circles that would look at the two rosters and say, i kind of like the Senators more than
0: the Canucks. Jeff, the... Only saving grace for the Canucks over the last decade has been how disastrous a franchise the Ottawa Senators have been from ownership on down. We see to hear it all the time. We got the second worst owner in the league after Eugene Melnick. and the, Now, the difference is that is a low-revenue franchise where players don't necessarily want to go. This is one of the most desirable cities in the world and a very high-revenue franchise – based on the fact that you've effectively got a market of five million plus people here the province of British Columbia. So I think the people in our nation's capital would argue you know, one of these things is not like the other. It's not necessarily a fair fight to pit them against each other. And yet that's where the Vancouver Canucks have been trolling in the last decade. And you're quite right. You look at that senator's top six now with Tarasenko, well, looks pretty good. There are two Stalwart defenseman there in Shabbat and Sanderson, a top five pick who's got making Chikrin, his Chickren right, And they Jacob Chickren on top of that. No, you're right. Three stalwart defensemen. So, yeah, uh, there is a world where the Vancouver Canucks could be the worst of the Canadian seven this year. Although we have talked about how Winnipeg and Calgary, not all the shoes have dropped there. So yep. we shall see what those two Western Canadians are. And clubs the problem do. for
1: the Sens, really, for the last while, a lot of the problems on the ice, at least, has been goaltending. That's the other part of the equation that just doesn't add up. For the last decade, as bad as the Canucks have been, one area of strength has been goaltending. They've this lineage, the of the
0: most important position filled, and filled more than capably, with Jacob Markstrom and with Thatcher Demko. And frankly, Ryan Miller gave them pretty good goaltending Absolutely before that. he did.
1: And Schneider and Luongo before mm-hmm. those guys.
0: Speaking of Demko and goaltending... Yesterday's Bodog poll question. Are you concerned about Thatcher Demko's workload next season? 1,000-plus votes on this. What do the people say? Uh, I know you called for 100%. <laughs> yes, Jeff. I'm going to
2: –
1: spoiler. Break it to me. It was not 100%. Oh. Uh, but I do think Yes. Yes. I'll say 68%. No,
0: 57, Jeff. They really? They disappointed really? you. Well, we saw a lot of it's the summer, I'll worry about no, that okay. in September and October. Yeah, I had
1: somebody accusing <laughs> me of fear-mongering. Oh, yes,
0: yes, yes. We're always fear-mongering hmm. and alarmist. I story.
2: pointed someone to the quote, the, the part in the tweet saying, next season. Hmm. <laughs> Not right now, next season. Just on YouTube, uh, no actually won at 55%. So always interesting to see yeah. a different audience. The plumber. Am I concerned that Canucks management is desperate enough to start
0: the season strong and end the season pushing for the playoffs, and that they would risk an injury to Thatcher Demko? Yes, I am. Cap space, Andy. It's my biggest concern, Chris. With our lack of a guaranteed backup, yes. If we had a guy we knew was good for a chunk of games, then I wouldn't, because we'd probably pro- we could properly manage. Demko, they're in a slide. Part of the problem when you have brought in the guy that you think, oh yeah, he can play a chunk of games. Whether that's Braden Holtby, whether that's Yara Halak, even Spencer Martin last year has not worked out. And then uh, Leaf, who is always good for a line and a twist. I'm more concerned about too much workload on Spencer Martin. So very, <laughs> very well put. Very well put, Leaf. Ilya Mikheyev is back skating. Rick Dollywall reporting via the agent Dan Milstein for the first time since January 27th when he was shut down with that ACL and knee surgery. Mikheyev, uh, Mikheyev Ilya Mikheyev skating. Milstein, we expect Ilya to be ready for the 23-24 season, echoing what Patrick Alvin has said on the speedy winger and that's a guy who at full strength should help the penalty kill should help the speed as well as kicking in some goals in the Vancouver Canucks top nine. I suspect he'll be a top six winger though for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, my world year. I've got him penciled in alongside Miller and Besser to provide a little bit of buoyancy defensively mm-hmm. on a line that again, if JT Miller is going to be your second line center, he's going to see some matchups, particularly out on the road We know that there were issues uh, for him and Besser defensively. I think Mikheyev could come in there and be a little bit of a lifeline. But, and this is encouraging news and sort of expected news, too, that the hope is he's going to be ready to go for training camp. Uh, We have seen that it sometimes takes guys that have had reconstructive knee surgery a fair chunk to find the speed of the game again. and. Speed is his calling card. They usually get back
2: quicker, but whether they get back to full performance level, that can still... Can take well up to a year Mm -hmm. for him to find his farm. And, And what I like about that line combination, Jeff, is... He adds an element of speed that Brock Besser, that Besser doesn't, doesn't have. He can well, get in on the forecheck. Well, Miller's a good forechecker. Just you wait until you see
0: oh, new-look oh, Brock yeah. Besser on All day one of training camp. Grady brings up
2: a good point,
0: and that's we've talked about it before, and I think that's part of the reason why Brock has struggled here a bit, and I think this is part of the reason why there hasn't been more trade interest in Besser above and beyond the contract, and that is Besser requires specific line mates. He needs centerman who can either get him the puck or finish. And he needs another winger who's got some speed and some defensive acumen to cover up for him. Now, Besser, I still think, can be a halfway decent two-way forward because I do think he thinks the game well. But he's got to get a little more explosive in a, with those first couple of steps. And, of course, he's going to have to be cognizant of the defensive side of the puck under Rick Tockett. That's one of many scenarios that I can see playing out in terms of tough love from Tockett this season. If you're not playing the defensive side of the puck and you're not doing what he's what he's asking for along the walls and those board battles, watch out. I think this is a dog uh, doghouse type of coach. So I, I do like the combination that you guys outlay or lay out there with
2: Mikheyev, Patterson and so ambassador. We've talked on it a little bit, but he's just got to stay healthy, McKayev. His NHL totals yearly, 39, 54, 53, 46. Now, I know there was the bubble, the Canadian division year, but he's got to stay in that lineup. And then one
0: of the other pieces that needs to, and I'll say continue to be in place, because there were no flies on the rookie season or first NHL season for Andre Kuzmenko, who was extraordinary for them, a 70-point guy, 30-goal guy, he continues his worldwide adventure, Daily Hive reporting via Dan Milstein, again, the agent that he's been to Venezuela, Brazil, Georgia. I believe that's the country and yeah, not the state. So. Yeah. The United Arab Emirates, Thailand, and now Indonesia, Bali, where there is video of him working. It, it It's a little bit reminiscing, uh, r- reminding me of... Is it Rocky Four against Rago, or is it Rocky Three, where he's in the Russian countryside availing himself of the natural wonders there for his pre fight preparations? Yeah. Kuzmenko is like lifting wooden boxes and running up rock staircases, training in preparation for this season. All right, British Columbia Lions. In Edmonton tomorrow to face the Elks, who are on a 20 game home losing streak. One more, and they will have set a record going beyond a St. Louis Browns team of the 1950s that moved after it lost 20 straight games in Major League Baseball. We have the Lions roster for this affair. Dominic Rimes is going to miss the game, the fine receiver. He's got a knee injury. Now, replaced by Canadian receiver Daniel Peterman, which is an interesting move ratio-wise, but as we have talked about, Jeff, this line's receiving core is just an assembly line of talent now. Whether it's Lucky Whitehead or Dominic Rhymes or anybody misses a game, next man up comes in and absolutely stars. You asked a question the other day of Coach Campbell about um Hollins. Alex Hollands. Uh, Alex Hollins, Javon Kittoy is it, there. Yeah, uh, so... Uh Kinnis, the other Canadian yeah. receiver, Keon Hatcher's been terrific. So onwards and onwards, the Lions receiving group goes. And then they're making a change at running back. Smoke Mizell comes back into the lineup in place of Sean Shivers, who had some real electricity to him the last few games. This is a strategic move. You're seeing this a lot now with Canadian Football League teams. Heck, it applies to National Football League teams. My brother said to me the other day, you know, Outside of Derrick Henry, when's the last time an NFL team just said, this is our carry the mail running back, right. we don't need to any kind of committee? Well, the Lions have been doing it in previous years in terms of spot-sitting a guy. Mizell's back, Shivers off the roster. I suspect you will see more fluidity with the running back position to keep everybody healthy for the playoffs after the long 18-game season. So... BC with a couple of changes. In fact, three in total. And there's another change uh, at special teams. Uh, Keenan LaFrance coming in the lineup. Uh, who can also help at running back? Uh, sorry, coming off the roster uh, for a reserve linebacker. BC looking to extend its lead in the CFL West. Five and one looking to go six and one again. And then next week could be another showdown there in Winnipeg against their closest pursuer with the Bombers. And all is well now down at Seattle Seahawks camp where Devon Witherspoon, their first-round draft, pick, the fifth overall selection. A corner out of Illinois has signed. He remained the last drafted player not to sign. Whitecaps Sunday. Yes, Sunday, not Saturday. That game has been rescheduled after Club León had such trouble getting out of Vancouver here last week. So the Caps going to face the Galaxy on Sunday. And then, as mentioned, the big one at 3 a.m. on Monday, where Canada and the Aussies face each other in Melbourne. So a fun weekend of soccer, if you're a local soccer fan, to watch the Caps on Sunday. And then either get up early or DVRs, as Jeff says, for the World Cup final group stage match for Canada, which, and it could still go in many, many ways. And if you are paying attention... You are rooting hard for the Irish to beat Nigeria and to beat Nigeria by as many goals as possible because there is a scenario where Canada could advance with a loss to Australia if the Irish cooperate and put a licking on Nigeria, who was a big upset winner against the Aussies. What are you looking at there? I'm always interested when Jeff is delving in here.
1: I was actually updating my uh, League's Cup uh, standings just to see Leon beat the Galaxy, so... Leon beat the white caps on so yes. penalties.
0: Two groups go, two teams yeah. go through from the group. So draw or win and caps are through.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm really just back to the women for a sec. You know, I think Nigeria probably surprised itself with the win over Australia. They've got this chance now to like, the fate is in their own hands. They're top of our, the group. I know, <laughs> but like how will they follow up? what was, you know, the performance of this tournament so far. Uh that'll be interesting to see. You know, the stage is pretty big. They're the fortieth ranked team, I think, in in the world. So yeah. that was a huge surprise to beat Australia. And for Canada, we'll see. Again, building blocks, first halves haven't been particularly good in either of the games. Uh they got better in the second half against Ireland and they're gonna have to pick up where they left off as they take on the Matildas.
0: Nooner today at the Nat, fireworks tomorrow. The beat just goes on for the Vancouver Canadians. They win again last night over the Everett Aquasauts, the Mariner. Oh. Uh, I mean, Rob Fay's great call there. Return to their rightful place as champions of the Northwest League could very well be a proclamation for this season. They were the best team in the first half, so we know they're going to the league playoffs, the league final but they continue to just put a licking on their competition here in the second half of the season. Good on the seas. I'll be out there today for the nooner. And then a very interesting column from Ken Rosenthal, MLB Uber insider with the Athletic. Jeff, he topped his column on Major League Baseball's trade deadline, which is Tuesday, with the Seattle Mariners and starting pitching. And when an insider like Rosenthal has his lead item about a certain team and a certain position, that's coming from somewhere. Now, not saying the M's are going to trade one of their fine starters, and to be fair, Luis Castillo is not mentioned in this piece as available, but Kirby, Gilbert, and the two kids here, Miller and Wu, Rosenthal speculates how much Seattle could get for a young Controllable starting pitching starting pitcher he talks about how that is the most desirable commodity right now on the major league baseball trade market and that the m's could fill multiple holes in their either on their roster in their organization or both as well as having a pretty good young arm emerson hancock who was a high pick from the university of georgia a couple years ago in the minors to be the next one kind of M starting pitchers are kind of like BC Lions receivers. It's just an assembly run. Bring up the next guy and the next guy, and they perform. So it could be a very, very big weekend. There's a lot of talk that what Seattle does could well be determined by this weekend series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So we'll see if the Blue Jays can do anything. They don't really have a ton to trade, but Seattle has so much to trade, and they could be the big player come Tuesday at the Major League Baseball trade deadline.
1: Big weekend in Toronto, too, with Shohei's in town, the circus. Uh, he's not pitching. He's not no. scheduled to pitch. Well, but after yesterday, what a sensational... What a one-hitter. Goodness. A shutout. A complete game shutout. In the first half of a doubleheader, and then became the first guy in baseball history to hit a home run in the second game after pitching a shutout. Now, obviously, not many guys have done it, but... Again, this guy just rewrites uh, his own history book and record book, and so uh, uh, even if he's not on the hill, uh, he'll still still be a huge draw uh, this weekend in Toronto.
2: Not yeah. just one dinger in the second game, two dingers. Wow! Yeah.
0: Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by De Dutch. To breakfast, to brunch, to lunch, get it all at De Dutch. John Shannon will join us. Topics include the BC Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony last weekend in Penticton including an emotional tender moment for Brent Seabrook when he was up giving his remarks and got emotional. We'll talk to John about the National Hockey League schedule matrix as the Vancouver Canucks once again have a tough five-game trip early in the season, can't get buried in October. We asked John about the Canucks in contention, as well as talk a little bit about Patrice Bergeron and Jonathan Taves, two of the all-time two-way centerman to ever play this game. We know one is retiring. Bergeron, hey, what's up with Jonathan Taves? Captain Sirius, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll get to some hashtags. The best and worst of Twitter, including tennis players and pickleball players not getting along. Open champion Brian Harmon getting very revealing. And then another edition of S versus P. Price ain't here. But Patterson will do our debate segment each and every Friday. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers, Growl, extra pale ale, and tug of war New Zealand IPA hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit.
2: No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel
0: good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group, Uh, they've made the car business. And communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect... And I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. Everybody knows real estate's cardinal rule. Location, location, location. Lesser known, sports cardinal rule. Ownership, ownership, ownership. You'll find very few franchises that succeed between the lines when ownership is poor. Whether it's interventionist, undercapitalized, or just hiring the wrong people and set in the wrong direction. If the person or people at the top feel in their role, the organization suffers and the results show it. The Canucks contended once under the Aquilinis, and they can again if ownership can simply learn from its mistakes. They finally have alignment. Between the chairman, Francesco Aquilini, senior hockey management and Jim Rutherford and Patrick Galvine and head coach Rick Tocchet, What's needed now, an examination of the mission statement. Because spending all out and surrendering future assets to simply make the playoffs and letting the chips fall, not a successful formula in the NHL. A hard cap league means teams are going to be subject to competitive cycles, and as much as they've tried to buck that reality over the last decade – they still haven't learned that lesson. The core is there, but having wasted their cheap entry-level entry, level, entry level years, the task is now more difficult. Rutherford and Alvin, they pulled rabbits out of hats in Pittsburgh, winning two Cups with some of the worst defense scores the Stanley Cup has ever seen. They'll need a repeat of that here in Vancouver or a change in philosophies from on high. Barring that, this team won't climb the mountaintop until there's new ownership. That's welcome, Matt. For today, we invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows: on email, live at sicarsonprice You can text seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter I'm at welcome, Matt at Price. And the welcome at a presentation of Northlands Golf Course had a spectacular day out there yesterday with two old friends, Jeff. You can book your tea times 90 days in advance. Don't forget to join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. Get all the details at golfnorthlands.com. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center. Presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags is brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason got mortgage a recent secure price listener contacted jason one month before their mortgage renewal jason noticed they could get out of their mortgage and get a lower rate even with the get out penalty they save money had this listener waited on the bank to renew would have cost them seven thousand dollars that's the advantage you get with
1: jason hominick on your side find him at jason.mortgage i got one from scouting the rafts at scouting the rafts grady hamilton welcome to the NHL. BC referee is NHL's newest hire for the 2023-24 season. This Mm. Grady, uh, he differentiates himself from the pack. He has an E in the middle of Grady. So don't be taking credit there. I was going to say. Uh, Cowichan from the island. Now, like a lot of NHL young prospects, the plan is for Grady Hamilton to continue to work in the American Hockey League to start the season and to debut sometime after Christmas.
0: That's typically the road, right, for a new uh, National Hockey League official. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have an illustrious history of officiating our province does, including Lonnie Cameron, who was just inducted to the B.C. Hockey Hall of Fame. At DP Show, Brian (laughs) Harmon speaks about the taunts he received from the fans at the Open. Quote, they don't care for an underdog over there, I suppose. It was brutal, man. I've always appreciated the fans there and echoing what virtually every American golfer says when they head over. Because they're very knowledgeable. They know when to clap. They know the game. Guys like me, I can go to a tour event in the U.S. and a lot of people have no idea who I am and that's totally fine. But over there, they cover golf a little bit differently. And so I've always appreciated their knowledge of the game. But boy, did they not want me to win that golf tournament, and and as we said on Monday, Jeff, jarring stuff from an open crowd. We we haven't really Ryder Cup, sure, but open championship fans tend to be amongst the most gracious in all of sport.
1: I still think it. Like I know he bore the brunt of it, but I think their frustration was they wanted a show, they wanted yeah,
0: drama, a TV show that wasn't there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Harmon said also said. um Something very interesting on a Barstool podcast this week. He said he used to be an extremely quick player, but he ran into difficulty. He called it twiddling his thumbs. But what he meant was, and he has addressed this in the past, the additional time that he'd have, he'd get in his own head a little out there. So he made a concerted effort to slow down. His golf got better and he basically apologized and said, "Look, I know it's annoying with all the waggles. I wish I was down to a couple of waggles and hit the ball. I'm trying. I'm doing my utmost. No, it was basically a plea for golf fans to bear with them, and that he's going to try and be quicker. He says, Look, you know, I I I may be slow in address, but I am ready to play. Like I'm not reading putts after right. my after my uh, playing partner hits his Just pull the trigger exactly. Like I have my club ready to go.'" Uh, the problem is Jeff. He's so short. He's usually hitting first after the drive. So I'll say this: I um, I feel more fondly about Brian Harmon after this week of interviews. I feel like I've gotten to know the guy a little more. And uh, you know, I I was wondering there. Okay, is this a, an ugly American? But no, I I think uh, um, he he showed his vulnerability here this week, in the week of his greatest triumph. Uh, so I I got to know more about Brian Harmon, and I think that always helps as a sports spectator.
1: Uh, Nadia Popovich. Remember Nadia? We had her on the show after the NHL Awards a year ago. Hero. This is Lifesaver. Kraken fan who, yeah, med student who saved Red Hamilton's life with the cancer uh, mm-hmm. diagnosis, or at least uh, the warning behind the bench. Uh, she's had it again. Still in the hospital because it really hurts to breathe, but I'm getting better slowly. Here's a pic of my kidney. If anyone is curious, as to what it looks like, and there is her kidney. She has donated a kidney, not to anybody in particular, but for the greater good for whomever Goodness. needs a kidney. And she had made this announcement a while back, but the procedure has taken place this week. So she's saving lives all over. I the was going to
0: say, like the Nobel Prize is next here, right, Nadia? At Pro Football Talk, Dalvin Cook, odds, quote, pretty high that I signed with the Jets. Released by the Minnesota Vikings, we had wondered whether there would be a bit of a running back carousel take place here with everything that's going on with that position and a lot of cranky running backs sitting there complaining on social media about how that position is now valued in the National Football League. Saquon Barkley re-signed with the Giants. You did wonder whether the Raiders were going to move off Jacobs with Cook sitting out there, or other teams with running backs who are unhappy with their contract. But it sounds like Cook is just going to sign with the Jets and, and play with Aaron Rodgers this year. Meanwhile, in Denver, Sean Payton is running his mouth mm, a fair bit, yeah. throwing virtually everybody <laughs> on last year's coaching staff under the bus, calling it one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history, but then going out of his way to take a shot at the New York jets. We're not doing any of that. He said with regards to, you know, PR pomp, circumstance, media, at training camp, the jets did that this year. You watch hard knocks, all of it. I can see it coming. And then he goes on to draw a parallel to the Washington football club and Dan Snyder. When they put the quote unquote dream team together way back when, when he was a young coach with the New York giants, they play the Jets in week five um, I'm not sure that's the hey we've said it many times before you know no game has ever been won or lost because of something one of the particular said going in but you do wonder whether Sean Payton has now focused the New York Jets for that week five match against Denver.
1: Going from our friend Josh Clipperton who covers yeah. the National Hockey League for Canadian Press was stationed out here in Vancouver for a while uh, Alexander Dagg is the only player and we know how that went, mm-hmm. to ever wear number 91 for the Ottawa Senators. The Sens have come out today after the announcement yesterday of the signing of Vladimir Tarasenko and announced that, yes, Tarasenko will wear his familiar 91 in the nation's capital, so pretty low bar there. They didn't retire sort of it? No. They did
0: not, no. They actually salvaged that. They traded him for back uh, uh, Vinny Prosper, who wound up being a halfway right. decent player. Yeah. and Digg uh, made his way in Philadelphia. And then lastly from me, Jeff, and I know you're a tennis guy, do you still play or is the knee injury? Uh... Yeah,
1: I haven't played a lot uh, since mm-hmm. the work on the I knee. know you've
0: done some PR on the tennis side before, <laughs> taken interest in the game. At City News Van, a group of tennis players on Main Island in BC petitioned to stop pickleball players from using their courts, calling for them to be, quote, exclusively for tennis in a case that was eventually dismissed by the, province, by the province's Supreme Court. Yes, a group of tennis players petitioned our Supreme Court saying they were instrumental in fundraising for the courts to be built and that they are allowed to direct who gets to use the courts. Mm. My courts.
1: My courts. And they're keeping the pickleball players off. The politics of pickleball is becoming a thing here, because I know my wife did a story <laughs> last week. There was a couple in Chilliwack. The, did you see the guy that was having the hunger strike on the pickleball court? Oh, my goodness. Because the city of Chilliwack built three pickleball courts, like, essentially over his back fence in a park, but, like... Pickleball makes a very distinct sound, mm. and this Chilliwack family was like, we can't take it anymore. Like He, he likened it to waterboarding, essentially. He just said, like, all day, the sound of pickleball, mm. we can't take it. And so he staged a sit-in and a hunger protest last weekend <laughs> it's a little that much. ended. Yeah, no, he got hungry and then uh, <laughs> went inside for lunch, I think.
0: Uh, they're all racketed sports. Can't we all just get along? And that's hashtags for today. This so is Harrison Price from Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, where we invite you to test drive the 2023 Kia Niro EV, the electric vehicle... Electric vehicle from
1: Kia. You can
0: find it at Applewood, Kia Langley, Applewood, Kia Surrey. The premium starts at $44,995. That's from 6.5, 6.49% for up to 84 months with $0 down. As we say, it's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today asking you, will the Canucks contend again? Under this current ownership. Yes or no. You can vote at. Secure some price on Twitter. Bodog your source. Free casino games. Poker strategy. And sports odds. Bodog line of the day from me. Boy, the caps are a huge price. At plus 270 Sunday in LA to face the Galaxy. In League's Cup. Galaxy already lost to Club Leon this week. Vancouver has been sitting. More rest. That's too juicy to ignore. 270? Yeah. Giddy up on your Bodog line of the day. Joined now by the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada and the host of the Bob McCallum, co-host of the Bob McCallum podcast. Sorry, I don't don't want to promote you. I don't want to get in trouble here with a Bobcat. (laughs) Uh, I've spoken out of turn. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. John Shannon, how are you, sir?
3: I'm great, boys.
0: How do you enjoy your time in beautiful British Columbia?
3: You know what? Uh... I got on the road to the Kelowna airport Sunday morning. And I said, why the heck am I leaving? What is going on? Another beautiful day in paradise. It was, it was a spectacular week. It was a great night at the BC hockey hall of fame. Uh, it could not have been a better six day experience than, uh, than what I had, including, uh, three days at Fairview mountain. Wow.
0: I used to get a pit in my stomach, John, when the, flight took off from YVR and I'd look down on the ocean and the city and the mountains and go, why don't I live here? So I understand it, buddy. Um, Yeah. Tell us about the hockey hall of fame, Seabrook Keith and uh, Lonnie Cameron.
3: Yeah. uh, And all three well deserving, but I I will tell you what, uh, and and Jimmy Houston did a marvelous job as the chairman of the, uh, uh, of the hall and, uh, and master of ceremonies. Uh, And you can see why, Duncan, Keith and Brent Seabrook worked so well together because they brought down the house in Penticton uh, and so did their kids. You know, one of the most touching moments of the night uh, for me and for anybody that was there was uh, about two minutes into his speech. Brent Seabrook broke down thanking his mom and dad and being tough on him and his 10 year old son came to his side and hugged him to console him. It was something I have never seen before. It was a memorable moment. I'm sure it's a moment that Brent will remember. And I know anybody who was at the hall that night uh, was just, uh, by the time the hug finished, we were all tearing up. It was just a magnificent moment. And Duncan Keith, who I never thought had the gift for the gab. Holy smokes. Duncan, uh, Duncan was just fantastic. Those two guys, uh, uh, you know, British Columbia has tons to be proud of with those two guys representing them. Although I would say that Canuck fans aren't necessarily thrilled with them. But,
0: uh. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's been that kind of of week, uh, John. I mean, we all covered it uh, during those three straight series against the Blackhawks and just how much that team was fueled by British Columbia Hockey players, because Seabrook and Keith weren't the only ones, uh, particularly uh, early on in that Hawks uh, dynasty. Andrew Ladd from Maple Ridge, and he had others um, others there as well.
3: Well, the Canucks could have drafted uh, uh, Jeff. You would probably remember that. I think the Canucks could have drafted either of those two guys, couldn't they? Uh, well, Keith uh, maybe the sec- Keith for sure. Keith's he was second, second round, round pick. pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so he, he could he could have been a he could have been wearing number two for the Canucks rather than for the Blackhawks. <sighs>
0: Dare to hey, dream. There's
3: <laughs> the long list of BC guys that got away with Jamie yeah. Benn and Brendan Gallagher. <laughs> well, and yeah, well it, it's funny you say that because uh, you know I know Jeff, you're a you're a, an interior boy too. But uh, um, how many times did we reminisce as children that there are two guys in the National Hockey League from British Columbia? Two, not 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 fifty, yeah. not sixty, but two. And now we're going to have back-to-back first overall picks in all
1: likelihood in Bedard and and Macklin Celebrini. This is a golden age right now, and and
3: those guys were sort of on the the leading edge of of the wave. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. The game's in good shape in BC.
0: Well, and and John, um, you know, for years... British Columbia had a disadvantage because all the other provinces got their fair share of naturally frozen ice to be able to go out and skate on. Or they had dads putting together, moms and dads, building rinks in the backyard or in the school, and it got cold enough that you were able to. But, of course, as you know, the South Island, Lower Mainland, it has been many years where you get the natural frozen ice for a long enough period of time. So what BC did was build facilities and I think we're starting to see the fruit of that is the facilities out here are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I know minor hockey parents are going say we need more, and that's absolutely right. But going back 20, 30 years, as you were saying, it was um, it was very difficult for this province to compete with the others in terms of player production because of the, the geography and nothing more.
3: Well, n- not to date myself, Matt, but, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a town that didn't have an arena. We were a, we were a good old-fashioned basketball town in, in the South Okanagan uh, and it wasn't until I was 16 or 17 years old where they uh, they built an arena during the BC centennial. Oh
0: there wasn't an arena at Oliver? Well
3: wow. no, no and yeah and, and if everybody knows Oliver, you, you had to go high into the up into the hills to find a frozen frozen pond to try to skate yeah.
0: on. Well, times have changed and uh, like I said, BC is riding high right now in developing elite hockey players. Hey, let's move on to BC's team, the Vancouver Canucks. We've been talking contention this week, John, looking at what's prevented them from contending, what they need to do from contending. How far away do you think they are from being a cup contender, whether that's years, whether that's a number of players, but what's your sense of the future path here? Now that I'll say this, they finally have alignment from ownership, hockey executive and head coach. And that is a positive development.
3: Yeah, it is. You know, I, I think that that's a, a huge factor. I, I think that, uh, you know, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have finally got most people in the organization in lockstep, including the owner, which is, I think, some, an important part of that. Um, I, I think there's two tiers to the discussion, Matt. Uh, cup contender, you know, Jimmy won't be happy, but it's a ways away. Um, playoff contender how good is Thatcher Demko how good will he be able to play and stay healthy uh, to be a difference maker you know you look at their forwards and you look at who they've added I mean I, I don't think offense is really the issue I think it's how they defend in their own zone and how good the goaltending is for them to be a a factor in the Pacific Division
1: Yeah, and penalty kill, too, and that goes hand-in-hand with the the last two seasons. Penalty kill has absolutely done them in. They think they addressed some of that in free agency. If they could even be league average in penalty kill, I mean, that would be an incredible improvement from being 32nd and and 31st the last couple of years. So, you know, they didn't make a huge splash in free agency, but that was targeted that the guys they brought in, uh, certainly they're hoping, can address that area of the game.
3: Well, I don't think there's any question that... uh... They're they're trying to do something that we haven't seen in Vancouver for a long time, and that's build a system that will you know you can almost have interchangeable parts on, uh, and and that's something that uh, you know that's and the onus is on Rick Tuck to make sure that works, and and if the, if Rick can do that um, and be more again more defensively responsible, and you're right, Jeff. Penalty kills is a big part of that because scoring's never been a problem. Nobody's ever sh- said, well, the Canucks can't score. We know they can score, but it, you know, it's, it's in their own half of the ice. That's, that's always been the concern. And if Talkit can ma- get them to play a controlled game, may not be as exciting as some f- fans want, but if Rick Talkit can get them to play a controlled game, um, then I think that uh, they're going to scare a few teams, particularly in the Pacific.
0: Mm. And, I think one of the most important things for this upcoming season is to get off to a good start or at least not get buried in the month of October for a third consecutive year here. John, they do actually open the season this year at home against Edmonton, but then it's another five-game road trip, Edmonton, Philly, Tampa, Florida, and Nashville. I know you've answered this question for us in the past, but just help us out because... You know, fans here remember the days of, of Gillis and Gilman flying to New York and browbeating the, the schedule maker with their all their intel from the sleep doctor. How much say do NHL teams actually have on the schedule? And could a team like Vancouver request in October where they're not on a big long road trip? Or is that just unfeasible, given how all the dominoes, all the pieces have to fit together in the greater in the greater um, matrix of the schedule?
3: Yeah, well, you know, teams are required to provide 50 dates for 41 home games. Um, and then you have the, the issue uh, of requirements, requirements of networks. And you have Rogers with uh, three network nights in Canada. And then you have what ESPN and TNT have to deal with. So the schedule maker has a, a really unenviable task. And, and the other problem becomes is making sure that Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver are in lockstep with each other when it comes to dates. Because, you, you, you know, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins of Philadelphia Flyers, you're not going to be making a single road trip to Vancouver. You want to do Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, probably Seattle uh, at the same time. So that becomes an issue. And then you have to put into you know, I, I'm going to call it the Taylor Swift effect. <laughs> it's not about Taylor Swift, but it's about concerts. When you think about concerts that are coming, and all you have to do is look at what's happening with the Jonas Brothers that are coming in November. So all of a sudden, when revenue becomes an important thing, as much as, you know, hockey teams become important for arenas, it's a domino effect that affects everything. And, and I think that probably what happened is is the Canucks didn't have a – didn't really emphasize how they wanted to start at home as much as they said, well, we, we want certain times of the year around Christmas time. Uh, and perhaps they perhaps Patrick and Jimmy have a philosophy with uh, with their schedule that they want to be home in March. So, you know, that means you're going to have to be on the road a lot in the first half of the season. And that's kind of the issues that every team in the NHL has particularly teams in Western Canada and the Pacific Northwest. Hey, just
0: one quick follow-up would the presence of seattle now allow theoretically for a second western road trip for these eastern teams you're talking about like you come do alberta in one session you come do seattle vancouver in another
3: as much as that sounds like a really good idea matt i'm going to tell no i don't mm-hmm. i don't think the team you know teams just don't want to be doing that um and and then it goes back to those other obligations i talked to particularly for the big us markets when it comes to what they have to do for ESPN and TNT.
1: Big news of the week, John. Patrice Bergeron announcing his retirement in Boston. Want to talk to you about that in a sec, but you mentioned Keith and Seabrook early on. Uh, Jonathan Taves, like, is anybody in hockey talking about Jonathan Taves? Uh, do we know if he's going to... Continue to play. We know that the door is closed in Chicago. They're moving on. Uh, We saw the fawn farewell at the end of last season. But uh, have you heard any rumblings about Jonathan Taves here in the offseason?
3: I have not heard one word uh, of all the free agents. You know, uh, we heard tons about Tarasenko until yesterday. We heard tons about Matt Dumba, what's going on with him. We've even heard that uh, we've heard. We've heard more about Patrick Kane and his surgery. Yeah. And when he might be ready for the for the the fall, then we have Jonathan Taves, and and yeah, you, you do have to wonder about that. The the one thing you, you do have to have the concern is, uh, if anybody's talked to him, money's not going to be the issue for him, but it's what role he will have on a team, um, and then, you know, what's his durability now? What's his energy level now? Considering what he's all gone through the last couple of years, Jeff.
1: And what about Bergeron? Uh, I mean, when you think of Patrice Bergeron and all the winning that he's done, uh, the leadership, the two-way ability, obviously, uh, what jumps to mind when I say Patrice Bergeron?
3: Well, what comes to mind to me is the, the real impact he made on the international stage for this country, particularly when you think about what he did in Vancouver in 2010. You know, he was, he was a late addition to that club. Uh, and before the, the, the tournament ended, and before Sid scored the golden goal, Patrice Bergeron became a valuable member of that team, uh, and was a was a huge part of 2014. Um, you, you, he, he's, you know, he, he's such a he he's the type of guy that makes me jealous. Honestly, <laughs> makes me so jealous because I mean, beloved in Boston beloved in Canada, beloved in Quebec. I mean, we're talking about three different markets that he makes a huge difference in uh, and three fan bases that have nothing but utter respect for what he's done. And the fact that he can speak fluently in both languages without an accent on any of them, that to me is amazing as a person, let alone a player.
0: You still in the car there, Shannon? (laughs)
3: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, listen, I I, would, you, you know, Sakaris and Price, when Sakaris and Price call, you answer, man. Right. Uh,
0: we we talked about the 2010 team here earlier in the week, and, of course, his two greatest hockey triumphs were here at Rogers, uh, Rogers Arena. But the 2014 team, John, particularly the way Babcock coached it, right, to be a defensive-oriented club and say we're going to give up nothing with Carey Price at the back. And then we'll get enough goals to win. Like to me, he was kind of the signature player uh, on that club because he had been doing that his whole career, right? I'm going to make sure that we don't get scored upon first and foremost before we go scoring our own goals. And if we do that, then we're going to be successful. And, you know, I'm not sure there was a, a player that more epitomized that than Patrice Bergeron at the 2014 games in Sochi.
3: I do wonder, and if if you probably got a couple of good old moose heads in our our pal Sidney Crosby, if you could really ask him what influence Bergeron had on his game overall. Because in my mind, as great as Bergeron was as a player, a 200-foot game, and I know it's a cliche, but it's so real for him, the influence in what he taught Crosby, early on, even, even in, in junior circles at the world junior hockey championships uh, and then on those Olympic teams. And now Sidney Crosby has become one of the great 200 foot players as well after some great offensive skills. You, that to me is, is his influence on so many different levels. I, you know, I, am it's one of those ones where I'm, I'm not a Bruin fan. I'm not a fan of really any team in the NHL, but I'm sad for the game that, you know, that uh, this guy has to leave for whatever reason and by his own choice. Uh, I'm happy he's able to make a choice because, as the three of us can identify, sometimes you can't make your own choices when you leave. Uh, But, you know, for him to leave, the game isn't better. The game is not better today with Patrice Bergeron out of it.
0: And to follow up on Jeff's question, if Jonathan Taves winds up retiring this summer as well, I mean, that's two of the all-time 200-foot centermen uh, that we would – Say goodbye to well the and two guys time. that
3: made a huge impact in 2010 as well. Yep. I mean, talk about uh, coming out parties uh, for those guys internationally. Uh, Taves and and Bergeron were so good uh, at the tournament at uh, at at the uh, at the arena in Vancouver that year. I, uh, I wouldn't miss a game, and those guys made it fun to watch.
0: God, John, all this talking about 2010 and 2014 has me yearning for best on best hockey again. Please tell me you've heard something good that you know we're going to see that with this young great star Connor McDavid and of course our new great star Connor McD- uh, Connor Bedard here from the North Shore. got to see those guys playing together on a Canadian team at some point
3: i uh, i think before before they go to torino i think we are going to see a february 2025 world cup
1: uh did
0: you want to ask
3: yeah him? i just uh, the f-
1: signing of Vladimir Tarasenko in Ottawa, it's a one-year deal, fairly low risk. Guy can still score goals. John, the Sens have a lot of really nice pieces. Are you buying what they're selling there in the nation's capital?
3: That's a great question. You know, um, uh, you know, J- Sanderson's such a good player. Shabbat needs to make a comeback. We didn't have a good year last year. Um, you know, we all know Brady Kachuk, how good he can be. Um They might scare a few teams this year. If Vladimir Tarasenko got the message this summer is, you know what, you're not the B-all and the end-all, and you're going to have to prove yourself one more time. If we see Tarasenko get a 40-goal season, Jeff, they could be a scary team.
0: Pretty good depth down center ice, too. Uh, Stutzlav Norris bounces back, and Pinto had a very nice year for them. Last year might have a Battle of Ontario back on our hands here, which has been dormant for a number of years. John, marvelous stuff. Have yourself a great week, and we will catch up next Friday.
3: Thanks, John. Right on, boys. Happy Friday.
0: So Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And S versus P continues in Blake's absence because P stands for Patterson, too. It works. Welcome to the ring. Welcome back to the ring. You'll remember this segment from our old radio days. We called it Take 5 Thursday back then.
2: I thought maybe Matt got relegated. He was facing some new competition (laughs) here. But then I thought, no, Jeff wouldn't be in the relegation. No, absolutely not. He's primarily moved up a class. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe after getting a second victory of the season last week
0: over Blake, we debated do they need another backup goaltender? I won seventy three twenty seven. That's percentages on Twitter and forty to eighteen. Just a dem- demolition on YouTube. Thank you, YouTube. No wonder he needed a week off. Mm-hmm. So I'm up to two five and two against Blake all season long. This is non conference here. Today's question: Can the Canucks contend in the next three years? And S versus P is a presentation of Layuna 1611, BC's Laborers Union. They have contractors looking for their members to hire today. Check out 1611.ca. Layuna 1611 has your back. I will be arguing yes, the Canucks can contend in the next three years. Jeff will be arguing no. Two minutes per argument. And as always, we request of our voters listen to the argument, decide, and vote who made a better one. We're not asking for your opinion on this matter, so we ask that you check your personal preferences, biases at the door and vote solely on the crux of the argument. Now, two minutes each, Jeff, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you the option if you want to go first or second as a guest here. We're, we are uh, welcoming and try to be good hosts to our out of conference opponents.
1: So. I'm going to take the ball, and we're going to score. Okay. Um, now, just <laughs> so we lay the... F- I hope it turns out for we me, as it did work. for Matt Hassel back in
0: the Seahawks. So let's that just lay the groundwork game. here
1: that contend equals yes. a conference final appearance.
0: Right. Conference... Look, if you make it to the conference final, you are a contender, final four, at least that year. The Stanley Cup finalists typically always come from the top five to ten teams in the league standings, and those are the teams that tend to populate conference finals. You occasionally get a team that wins a couple of rounds uh, from beyond that line, but more often than not, if you're not in the top five, ten teams in the league, you're not really
2: a true Content. We're not talking the Minnesota Wild here who, you know, consistently make, make the, playoffs, the playoffs but exactly. never really Yeah. We're, you know, we're talking take it about a next team level.
0: that has a, a, a that that has a case that they can win a couple of rounds in the playoffs. So I'll turn it over to Mediator Sass here to uh, put you on the clock, Mr. Patterson. All right, Jeff.
2: Are you ready for your big debut I am on S versus ready. P? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, your two Let's minutes. Let's not
0: call it a debut here. He's not a raw rookie or anything no. like that. He's been in the previous. He's
2: formats. been in the octagon before. But this particular version.
1: Okay, your two minutes starts now. All right, so this organization that has competed in the playoffs once in the past eight years is suddenly going to become a postseason powerhouse. Look, there's a progression to this. You have to make the playoffs first and foremost, and then so much of it's about matchups. Ask the LA Kings how that has worked for them the past two seasons. The Kings are miles ahead of the Canucks on their competitive curve, and they got better with the addition of pierre Dubois this offseason, but part of the reason they made the play for PLD is because they've run into Connor McDavid, the Edmonton Oilers, the league's best power play in each of the last two playoff seasons, and that's where the Kings' playoff dreams have died in round number one look at the Toronto Maple Leafs all of those years of crushing it in the regular season only to run into other really good teams and then finally this year they broke through as much as getting out of the first round can be called a breakthrough but their best playoff run in two decades amounted to one playoff round victory this spring guess what playoff success is hard there were four upsets in this year's playoffs four times the lower seed beat the higher seed, and the Florida Panthers accounted for three of those occasions. So the odds of advancing deep into the playoffs are considerably better for teams that finish higher in the standings, and right now, we're talking about the Canucks just scraping into the playoffs. Sure, Seattle ousted the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, so upsets do happen. The Kraken then got bounced in the next round by Dallas, so by your definition, that doesn't qualify as any kind of lengthy playoff run, even though they did play 14 playoff games this spring. And that brings us right back to the Canucks. Better on paper for next season, sure, but not a guaranteed playoff team by any stretch, so they've got to get to the postseason first and then find a way to win a couple of rounds in one of the next three seasons Boy, in the era of McDavid and McKinnon and those Vegas Golden Knights' as obstacles in their way, I just don't see it happening in the timeline that you've laid out for them.
0: Boom. Wow. Right to the buzzer. See, I told you he's been in the arena before. He knew exactly what two minutes on his screen would look like I may letter to the syllable I may or
2: may not have granted him a couple extra seconds there because (laughs) the buzzer the pod on the board wasn't
0: teed up once again the bench is against me in this segment
2: all right (laughs) okay Matt Mm -hmm. are you ready for your two indeed all right it starts right now look long way off this year I
0: will admit that but who knows what the Canucks or the West will look like Over the next three years, will Connor McDavid want out of Edmonton if they continue to fail to make the cup final? How capped out are Colorado and Vegas going to be paying all these stars and those young teams with talent, Kings, Kraken? How many years is it going to take them to launch? Look, the Canucks, or do they launch? The Canucks have the most important pieces. They have the number one centerman, the number one defenseman, the number one goaltender. Teams that go 3-for-3 three three in those categories tend to find themselves competing at some point over the players' primes, and these players are still in their primes. Another couple of years gives their existing talent, be it Colson and Glander, a chance to develop alongside their incoming talent, Uylander and LeCaramacchi. This management group has not tied itself to bad long-term contracts for middling players, so they'll even have cap space by the time Myers and Besser come off the books, and they do have a proven architect at the top here. Let's remember, Jim Rutherford has fashioned Stanley Cup teams in Carolina and in Pittsburgh. Look, I'm not going to put the mortgage on the Vancouver Canucks contending by 25-26, but just listen to that. 25-26, that's a long way off. Much can happen between now and then. But admit, there's still a ways to go. And this decade, this last decade, has brought a lot of scar tissue. Of that, there's no doubt. But could they be a top 5 to 10 NHL team in two, three years' time? Get into that territory from where cup champions, finalists, conference finalists come from? Yeah, I'm not going to outright reject that. So, yes, they can contend over the next three years. Keyword being can.
2: Again, right at the buzzer. Right at the buzzer. And again, I didn't have the pot up, oh. so no sound effect. I'm, I'm slacking today. I'm, Boy, geez. you have to have a Must word for mediator
0: sass. Can we demote you any lower than mediator Oof. for this exercise? <laughs> you just going to operate the clock going forward? Need a little
2: back pa- bench. Paral- All right. Paralegal running the papers around in the courtroom. Here.
0: Now, of course, we need you to vote, whether that's on Twitter, whether that's on YouTube, and in fact, if you are watching on youtube or twitter ask you to sub- subscribe on youtube follow on twitter and of course leave a comment thanks for that jeff we're the adversary good luck thank you it's a Garrison from wall center presentation applewood auto group you can text us 778-402-9680 the great clips text message inbox
1: great clips it's gonna be great
0: errison omissions from yesterday's program. Grady has one, and then we'll get on to uh, my bigger one. Grady,
2: yeah, on Jeff uh, mm. referring to Vernon Adams Senior's tweet, he called the hundred emoji a hashtag, but it's in fact a hash a, an, an,
1: emoji. an emoji. All right, flag on yeah. the play. I can very much. I can
0: own one. that one. Uh, that's yeah. big with I, social media managers, Jeff. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, fair enough. Uh, I've got one on my. I'm calling one on myself as well here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Feel free the, to call one of me. In the interests of honesty here, uh, one of my hashtags, and it was uh, part of hashtags yesterday. Uh, one of the tweets was Adam Hadwin dunking the ball in yes. the drink in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I should have. I omitted uh, with stat uh, shot link and all that information available. I should have had it because I said it was. It looked like a hundred and fifty yard shot. It was actually a two hundred and twenty seven yard oh. shot.
0: So that's a bigger club
1: that went hundred and fifty eight oh, yards. Wow. So he was not close. No. If it had been a 150-yard shot, he would have been all right.
0: Yeah. Don't think he's – it's a lot easier to heel or beaver tail that longer club than it is the 150-yard club, which I imagine for Hadwin is, what, pitching wedge? Maybe nine. Yeah. What uh, – I missed reporting Wednesday's Bodog poll results on yesterday's show. What number will Elias Patterson's contract extension begin with? Got 1,700 votes on this. 9, 10, 11, 12 were the options. What won the poll, oh, I Jeff? Th-
1: I'm guessing 10 won the poll. 10 won the poll. 52%?
0: You've been pretty good this week. 58%, oh, not bad. Right. 29% voted 11 million. 9% voted 9 million. 4% voted 12 million. A lot of wishful thinking in there, but it's allowed. Ron, honestly, anything 8 by 10 is fine. Now, 11 gets dicey and 12, I'd look at moving them. Rob, the siding guy. Imagine if him and Quinn were under 8 for the next six years. Hashtag thank you, Jim. Bridge deal has come back to haunt. Thought that at the time. It's come to fruition. Don, those voting at 9 or 10 million are dreaming. And Drew. Drew. Aho just got 9.75. He's 0.9, per, 0.9 points per game, where Elias is 0.99 points per game. Both are centers. PD two years younger. It's really 15 months. I'm going 10.75 for eight years. Yeah, I can see 10.75 for a, eight years. A
2: lot of people on YouTube kind of agreeing with your guys' segment from the other day about 10.5 is really like the starting point now. 10.75 even to the yeah. 11 Yeah, and what range. number? You
1: came up with some numbers, Grady. Well, uh, I
2: was using the uh, analytics website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it had a 10.3, but that seems a little low. Yeah. That, they were that, 400K off on the AHO one, so mm-hmm. 10.7, you know, that, 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 10.8-ish. Uh,
0: what, what's the analytics firm called again,
2: Grady, on that oh,
0: one? AFP. Gonna, AFP. AFP. I was going to go A They've but. been a little light on a lot of the contracts that they have projected, Outside of guys who sh- signed the shorter-term deals like Bertusi and Orloff. But for others, they've, they've come in a little light on guys, like, if I'm not mistaken, guys like Ryan Graves and Damon
2: Seavers. Yeah, and, and this was done before free agency started. So like the Aho one, there's going to be those comparables that kind of continue to raise the bar or yeah. vice versa, bring it down. Um but interesting nonetheless. It's a good little kind of guideline and then you can kind of work work from your way from there. Bodog Line of the Daytime with Jeff Patterson,
0: Bodog your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. So you like what you got.
1: Well fun heading to the weekend, of course, the Lions in Edmonton. Now we know the story of the Elks that they have not won at Commonwealth this year. They have not won at Commonwealth for the better part of three seasons yes. now. So 20 in a row. Bodog's got the line. Who will be the Elks' first home victim? Of course, the Lions. We talked about it being a banana peel game. Don't slip up. Just get in, get the win, and get out of no. dodge. Uh, Montreal's got the, lo- the, the best odds right now. I guess they think that the Elks might be able to beat the Alouettes. But if you think the Elks are going to go winless another season, full season, without posting a W in front of their home fans... Gosh. You can get them at plus 900. Oh, man. Feels like we're piling
0: on. <laughs> of course, the way that franchise operated for years, that yeah, goes around, comes around. On your Bodog line of the day, thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow us on all the social platforms, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.